Hello and welcome back to Silver Age Silver Screen, a podcast where we watch, discuss, and review sci-fi, cult, superhero, and other stereotypically geeky films. I'm your co-host, Casey Jarms. And I'm your other co-host, Riley Thorpe. It's the Halloween season, and presumably this is coming out in October, so you know what that means. Lots of spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. (laughs) And the rest of that song, which I totally know, I'm just, (laughs) for copyright claims, I don't know. But Riley, you know what's really spooky? Racism. I was going to say children, but sure, yeah, racism is spooky, I guess. Yeah, it's bad. So are children. (laughs) There's one thing worse than a rapist. You get that meme? You get that. I know the joke, but God, <laughs> the people who don't, mm, mm, they're going to have odd thoughts about you. About this podcast, because guess yeah. what? You're putting this up. Anyway. So anyway, you know it's the creepiest fucking child in any goddamn movie, I swear to God? Reagan. Yeah. yeah. Reagan from The Exorcist, possessed by a demon named Captain Howdy. Yeah, I fucking hate Reagan, handled the AIDS crisis so poorly. Well, I mean, how do you expect a 12-year-old girl when she gets elected into office? Like, what do you expect, you know? We are reviewing The Exorcist today, the iconic horror movie that came out in 1973, based on the book of the same name. The author of the book actually did base it on a quote-unquote true story as true of a true story as a demon possessing a little girl can be, you know? If that true quote-unquote story didn't end with both of the priests dead, I'm disappointed. Like, come on, playing it up for Hollywood? What's the shit? Whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people die. I wish, for the sake of the Halloween season, I don't know, can't a couple people have died in real life? I don't know. That's that's a really horrible thing to yeah. say. We're, we're getting to a really great start with this episode. Yeah. So the way this movie starts out, it starts in Iraq. And there's a Catholic priest there who's heading up an archaeological excavation. And he digs up this tiny statue that freaks him the fuck out. Like, seriously, that dude goes nuts when he sees that statue, like, oh, oh god, he's just shaking, he pulls, like, pills out of a thing and eats them, I don't know what type of pills those are. They look like mints, honestly, but they're pills, so. His medication is Tic Tacs. This demon statue, which he later sees a big demon statue on a building, which he probably saw earlier, it freaks him out because he's heard of it before. The Mm -hmm. demon, Pazuzu. That's a dumb name. I believe it's from, like, ancient... The demon Pazuzu was from, like, ancient mythology. Like, way back, dating back to Mesopotamia. It's like the demon of winds or something like that. It's like the father of a certain sect of demons. And it's like the epitome of evil. In theology, that's what Pazuzu is. The the demon is never named in this one. It's named in the sequels. But they use the statues of the demon Pazuzu. And the scene opens up with... Max von Sydow, who's wearing incredible makeup that makes him look really old. Yeah, he's playing like a 70-year-old man, and then like you say to me, oh, did you hear he died last year? Oh, that makes sense. Wait a minute, the 70-year-old man in this movie died in 2012. How old? Oh, it was makeup. He was 40 when this film was made. Yeah, he was 44 when this movie was made, but it's crazy. If you look up photos of him in this movie wearing the makeup and photos of him in Minority Report, 
they're like almost identical. It's crazy just how effective that makeup was. And the first time I saw this movie, which I saw like the first 20 minutes of it earlier this summer, then it got taken off HBO Max before I could continue. Fucking Warner Brothers, our old enemy. I thought our old old enemy was Ike Perlmutter. We have multiple enemies. First, they make a shitty movie. Figure out for yourself which review we're talking about. Then they take The Exorcist down fucking Warner Brothers. Anyway, your point? I do think it sets a very effective precedent of, like, what this is. The sheer terror of what they're going to face. That scene where he's standing in the office talking with the anthropologist and the clock behind him stops... And he's so freaked out by just the clock. It provides a lasting sense of tension in the film. Added to the fact that this movie, just from start to finish, is outstandingly shot. The movie is gorgeous. And it's not just, it is including that iconic shot of Father Mirren standing outside the house being silhouetted by the street lamp. Like, that's an iconic shot, but every single frame of this movie is immaculate. And the opening scene was actually shot in northern Iraq. Wow. This movie, it feels real, which makes sense because the director comes from a uh, documentary background, which makes sense that he would strive for realism at all costs. Yeah, honestly, I don't know if you know this, to film this film and actually make it accurate, Linda Blair actually got possessed by a demon, and she actually murdered three men for accuracy. Good, those guys were dicks. Well, well, I mean, some of them, but I don't know. Damien's cool. Who is the, the director of this movie again? William Friedkin. William Friedkin is an incredible filmmaker. He made this, uh, The French Connection, and a bunch of other films. He was a part of the era of New Hollywood, which mm. took place in like the very, very late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, which is now like 50 years old, and we still call it New Hollywood Movement. Yeah, but it was this changing of artistic styles and new vision. Just this wave of new filmmakers came in and just completely changed the landscape of cinema. Francis Ford Coppola, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, Woody Allen. I know people don't like to hear from him because, you know, all that crazy stuff. But the point is, William Friedkin is a part with this film and the film he did right before this, The French Connection, that, in addition to many other films, contributed to an entire new era of cinema. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know anything about Hollywood history. I'll take your word for it. Father Mirren finds the head of this little statue, freaks out, goes to visit this ruins of a temple where a whole man-sized version of that statue is just standing amidst the rubble. And he stares at it, freaking out. Cut to Georgetown in Washington, D.C. A mom named Chris, she's reading her lines, she's an actress, and investigates these strange noises she hears from her attic. Visits her daughter, Reagan, who's asleep in bed. Closes the windows, kisses her goodnight, all that. Cut to the next morning, she's talking to the housekeepers that she believes there's rats. And now don't you just hate when you think you got rats in the attic and it turns out to be a fucking demon? An ancient Mesopotamian demon? I hate that. I hate it when that happens. It happened to me last week. This movie, it's a slow burn. The early bit of this movie is just slowly building up that 
Something's not right in this house. Honestly, this could, if you didn't know what it was, you could be tricked into thinking this was like a haunted house movie before the whole speaking in tongues of vomit shit. Yeah. There's a scene where Chris, the actress mother, talks with Reagan, who has been playing with a Ouija board and talking to a ghost named, what is it? Captain Howdy. Yeah, Captain Howdy, like... Okay, it's uncomfortable that you're talking to ghosts, but at least they have stupid names. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they won't possess you, little 12-year-old girl who is just playing with a Ouija board and talking to ghosts on your own. It's your own damn fault you're possessed, Reagan. <laughs> this scene with Chris and Reagan really, for me, established a really good dynamic between the mother-daughter duo because it establishes early on that these two do have a great loving relationship Mm -hmm. and that the dad's not in the picture you know we don't hear from him but he's like basically the worst person alive oh god he sucks like there's a scene where it's like reagan's birthday and the dad doesn't call or do anything and like reagan calls up the hotel where he's staying and like demands to speak with him and it's actually really rude to like the other person on the phone like it's not their fault you married a douchebag chris We get a scene of Chris. As you said, she's an actress. She acts in a movie. And conveniently there, a man named Father Karras watches her. He's going to be pretty important later on. Yeah, yeah. Like, throughout the first act of this movie, we keep cutting to showing what Damien Karras, the protagonist... He's the emotional backbone of the movie. Uh, I I don't... It does not matter at all. He's the... Whatever. Damien Karras, one of our main characters, keeps cutting to him. He's a priest and also a psychologist and kind of struggling with his faith because his mother's really sick and dying. Mm -hmm. And then she dies. Yeah, and he blatantly says, he goes, I think I've lost my faith. We got well, a you may not believe in Jesus anymore, but by the end of this movie, I'm sure you're going to believe in something supernatural. <laughs> yeah, for like the five seconds you're still alive, spoiler alert. Karis visits his mom, and on the way through the subway, some homeless guy asks him for change, but he doesn't have... He kind of looks at him awkwardly, so right out the gate, just through acting, you know that there's something up with him. You would, at least you would assume that a priest who would be pious and give what they have to a homeless man, but he just, like, kind of gives him this dismissive, almost disgusted look. I'm like, ugh. So you know that there's something going on with this guy. I mean, it could just be that he's a dick. Yeah, like, either he's lost his faith, or he's just an asshole, man. Yeah, but either way, he's a priest, and you know something's up with that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the Catholic priest. He goes to care for his mother. She's living in an apartment, and he keeps trying to convince her to go to a home, but she won't leave because this is her house. He goes out drinking with another priest and talks about how he's having a crisis of faith. Reagan and Chris talk about Chris's BF, the guy that keeps coming over, which, is that the director? Yeah, it's the director of... Of the film she's in, this utter, utter douchebag. I'm pretty sure his name is Burke. He's just an awful drunk who's just an asshole. And they, like, have a party at Chris's house, and there's a bunch of actors there, and this Burke guy, he's just an asshole there. Yeah. Like, he goes up to the housekeeper, who's German, and is like, You're a fuck, you, 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 
You're fucking nuts, <laughs> And then Chris walks into the party. She goes up to an astronaut. Why are there astronauts at these Hollywood parties? I don't know. Because the moon landing was made by uh, Stanley Kubrick. I don't know if you knew that, but that's 100% fact. There's absolutely no holes in that theory whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And The Shining I, is proof of that. Yeah. But before that, we get a scene Yeah, of, I don't remember any of the order in this film. But yeah, no, it's all right. Uh, before that, Chris hears some more scurrying of rats in the yeah. attic so she decides to go up there and investigate but none, none of the lights are working so she brings a candle and then out of nowhere the flame on the candle just explodes and the butler comes in and she's like oh you startled me are we just gonna forget that fucking pyro from the x-men just went ape shit on your ass a second ago your candle turned into a flamethrower good for spy checking not good for your house not burning down she just forgets about that yeah honestly it's a horror movie staple. It's the backbone of the genre. Chris takes a long time to accept that there's demon shit going on. She sees the fucking telekinesis furniture flying around and she's still like, eh, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's probably a brain thing. I respectfully disagree, but at the same time I see where you're I coming mean, from. I mean... I think, and I'll get into this later, but I think that the slow pace of this and that slow acceptance works in the film's favor. Oh, it works in the favor. I'm making fun of the character in this movie is what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think the evolution of Chris slowly growing to understand and mm -hmm. accept the fact that something supernatural is happening felt natural to me, though I felt that the way they handled it was a little misguided in some respects. Like, for example, she states at one point that she's an atheist. I mean, that's cool and all, but, but once you see fucking demons and ghosts and shit, change on the dime, man. Yeah, the point of, but the point is, she states that she's an atheist, but they don't really focus too much on it. Like, that would have been so interesting if this, this character was, I don't want to say defined by that one trait, but, like, that would be a big driving force for their dramatic arc in this movie. This atheist is slowly learning to realize, oh, there are higher powers at play here. And that, I guess, in theory, that's probably what they were going for when they had, like, just the tiniest mention of her being an atheist. But instead, they put more focus on her being an actor. That's my problem, is they don't really go anywhere with her being an actor. It doesn't really add anything or take away anything. There's, like, a handful of scenes where people ask for her autograph. She has money, and that's really it. So her being an actress didn't really have much an effect in the long run, but had they focused more so on her being an atheist and that character arc, it would have been much better. Yeah. In that context, I do think, keeping in mind that she is that, she doesn't believe in any theology, that arc could have been stronger. Yeah. To be fair, I do think Ellen Burstyn does a great job as Chris. Just oh, yeah, this she does. worried, heartbroken mother whose child is being... She does a great job. Yes. And getting back to that thing that I actually skipped a few things before we got to. She has this party and her daughter comes down and goes up to this astronaut and says, You're gonna die up there. And then just fucking pisses all over the floor. <laughs> and they all just watched her do it. At no point anyone was like, Oh, hey, hey, come on, come on, come on, mama. Don't, 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 no, 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 no. Maybe grab a bowl or a cup or something, like a bucket, put it underneath. No, they all just like, uh... 
That this, this is happening. At the end of the movie, Pazuzu murders a couple priests. At the start of this movie, Pazuzu ruins a party by pissing everywhere. And around that same time, actually, I think the day before, around that, someone broke into the local church oh, and right. vandalized a statue of Mother Mary by putting bloody tits and a bloody dick on her. Actually, do you think that Chris did that, or it was just Pazuzu telekinesis? It doesn't matter because it's. I I still or love Reagan the, did it. I love the idea of this demon telekinesis just making paper mache titties. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's great. Oh, and that actually makes more sense because, like, when I saw that, I, I didn't realize it was paper mache. I thought it was just spray paint. And I'm like, wow, is it cold in that church? Those are some sharp titties on yeah. the Virgin Mary. Hey, maybe that's what Pazuzu's into. Maybe that's the kind of titties they have in hell. Damien Karras, his mother dies. We mentioned it earlier. She and was... it's very sad. I actually really like how it's shot. There's like a nightmare he has, like the night his mother dies where he's on the street and he sees her like going downstairs into a subway and he's like screaming at her and she doesn't hear. That's really nice. Yeah, and the screen is flashing and I, there's a frame where you see the demon Pazuzu yeah. in its face. Yeah, he looks like a fucking clown. Yeah, yeah. He's a member of the insane clown posse. Yeah, but right before that, she gets sick and ends up in the psych ward and we get some really interesting non-verbal communication and storytelling for Karis's character like you would assume like a priest a religious figure they would try to deal with their feelings through God but he deals with athletics like he runs around a track he punches um punches a punching sa- bag punching bag yeah he used to be a boxer judging by his photos that's how the movie should have ended with him just beating the shit out of Pazuzu might have killed Reagan, but it would have worked. The subtle storytelling in this movie is incredible. Even that scene where he's running around the track and the police lieutenant starts talking with him. You can see the church in the background. So that's like the encroaching theology that is coming on to Father Karras. The blocking and the subtle storytelling is yeah. incredible. So anyway, continuing with Chris and her shitty demon-possessed daughter, her daughter one night starts freaking out because her bed is fucking shaking up and down crazy and she like tries to hold him down but that bed is still shaking so she takes her daughter to doctors and they're like oh oh she has a brain thing it's seizures and she's like but but it was sick no 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 it's fine we just Mm -hmm. need to do a little brain surgery go in and cut out the lesions first we're gonna do an An i think it was an mri a very old-timey 1970s mri i'm not sure how 1970s mris work like they strap her down and then they like stab a needle into her throat and there's like blood gushing out of her jugular then they put these blocks to hold her head in and then there's just the loud noise as the MRI works. How do MRIs work in the 70s? Well more than that they stick a needle in to poke a hole Yeah. then they put another needle in and then they feed a wire through. Yeah like what the I assume it's scientifically accurate but what? 70s medicine, my guy. Yeah, and uh, they don't find anything wrong with her brain, which means, oh, it's uh, psychological. She has the disassociative identity disorder. And the other identity just fucking curses a lot. Like, Pazuzu is fucking foul-mouthed. Like, suck you, suck my fucking cock, I'm gonna fucking kill your fucking fuck cock mother cunt. 
Your mother sucks cocks in hell, Damien. And anyway, while Chris is talking to some of these doctors, she comes home to find that her drunken director friend, who she let watch her mentally ill daughter, that wasn't a good idea. He's just vanished. Huh, that's weird. Oh, the window's open. Not gonna look out. Just gonna close it. Hug Greg and go to bed. Oh, no. There's a corpse out that window. Oops. Should have looked. Yeah, I will admit that was a little weird. I don't know, maybe this is just me being a true crime fan or anything, but there was this part where she asked, why was he in her room at all? And I thought, like, legitimately there would be a commentary about abuse. I kind of wish this film gave more to Reagan as a character, yes. as opposed to just her being this victim who's possessed. Like, because things start going wild after her father misses her birthday, and she yeah. talks to the demons because she's alone, and maybe you could do something with the first guy he kills doing something to her and it being defensive and her being like a tragic villain, but no, she's just innocent child victim possessed. That yeah. would have been an interesting thing to focus on. There's yeah. a sequel to this movie, maybe that's what it does. I've heard it's one of the worst movies ever. It's never answered what the hell happened there, and he was just such a minor side character that we hated, and oh no, he's dead, and it's like, it's well, such anyway. an important thing. I don't know, it's just that that whole subplot was weird. The police lieutenant meets up with Father Karras, who tells him that he believes that the murder of the director and the vandalizing of the Mother Mary statue are linked. He honestly starts threatening Father Karras because he believes that he knows something about it. Father Karras just blows him off. You talk to a lot of priests. You're the psychologist for all these priests. You think one of them did that? You tell me, right? If Catholic priests were doing something evil, there isn't like a code of silence, right? There's a scene where doctors are visiting Reagan at home because she starts freaking out again. And at this point, the doctors are all like, oh, no, it's just some... At first, they were like, no, it's brain disorder. Oh, no, that's not it. It's something psychological. Then the doctors show up and see her thrown back and forth doing 60-second abs or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. At one point, it's this famous thing. Reagan's head goes 180 like a fucking owl to stare at them. Yeah. Which, side note, her going, like, back and forth like that mm -hmm. they had a rig designed to like move her back like that wait they didn't use like a dummy no they hooked her up to a machine that would do that to her that broke linda blair's back oh jesus they should have used a dummy yeah they should have and this movie way back when it came out in 1973 was considered one of the most horrific movies ever made there were theaters handing out vomit bags and there were allegedly reports of fainting while i didn't get to that point i can imagine like in the 70s in particular this movie would have been one of the most visceral messed up experiences in the theater you could ever see there's a scene where a 12 year old girl is mutilating her own genitals with a crucifix and then when her mother tries to stop it she holds her mother's face onto the wounds and says lick it Lick it! Ugh. Like, her, it is vile. Yeah, and her mother tries to run, and oh, all the dressers are fucking moving. This demon got telekinesis. You're trapped in here with me, mother. Yeah, and that's when Reagan's head goes 180 degrees. And just after all this horrible stuff, the doctors are like, yeah, so, uh, uh... It's multiple personality disorder. Yeah, it, it might be multiple... Yeah, yeah, but, uh, maybe... 
consider a priest? Yeah. At first they're like, see a psychologist. And then Reagan starts telling them like, no, there's this other thing inside me called Captain Happy. He takes over me. And then the therapist was like, all right, I want to talk. And then Captain Howdy, you know, in the 12-year-old girl's body, just crushes his balls. Okay, get someone in a different field. Get an exorcist. Hey, it's the title. Uh, Not because I believe that will work, but because she thinks she's possessed. So if you make her think she's being unpossessed, then she'll stop being possessed. Like, it's all very scientific. So anyway, Chris goes heartbreaking, like sobbing to Damien Caros, this hot priest. And she's like, please help my daughter, you psychologist who is also a priest. So Caros begins talking to Reagan to see if she's actually possessed. And oh yeah, she is. Carved letters appear on her skin saying, help me. She projectile vomits like three gallons of green goo. Yeah. She speaks in tongues and backwards. She mentions to him that his mother is dead and she's in here and burning. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Her face is like green and all cut up. Oh god. The puppet they use for completely possessed Reagan is really, really good. Yes. We get a couple scenes of Father Karras who tries convincing Chris to let her see a psychologist instead of a priest because he's not having good time with his faith at this point. Hey, you're a psychologist. Also, we saw a psychologist. They got their balls crushed. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, anyway, go in, go up to the ball crusher. I swear, she will not stab herself and shove your face in the blood. Karis asks Chris if Reagan knew that his mom had died. She did not, so he was like, oh, okay, so this might actually be something that's real. And we get a shot of Karis leaving the house, but the lieutenant is watching him, so he suspects that something is going on. The cop actually at one point talks to Chris like, yeah, that dude, uh, we think it was a murder because his neck was snapped like super far around when he fell down those stairs out the window. So maybe he was murdered then thrown out the window. I don't suspect your 12-year-old daughter, but also got my eye on you. Yeah. Can I have your autograph? Yeah, your friend was just murdered. Your daughter is very, very ill. But anyway, give me an autograph. After I just kind of threatened you? Yeah, give me an autograph. I'm the main character in the sequel, I'm pretty sure. Karis begins studying Reagan and records her speaking Latin he believes. He throws some holy water on him, but then he reveals that the water, like in order for an exorcist to happen, the church has to officially sanction it, and there has to be like an entire lengthy sometimes months-long process to in order to make this happen. And he begins investigating to take the steps to make it happen. But uh, the problem is the holy water was just regular tap water, and the demon, quote-unquote, who calls itself the devil, reacts to it. So it would be an interesting angle. It isn't what the film goes. That Reagan isn't possessed, just like pretending to be possessed, and maybe has superpowers. Ooh, that's a good X-Men movie idea. Hell yeah. But yeah, he also finds out that what Reagan is speaking is not Latin. It is, in fact, English backwards. Well, that's what Latin is. That's the secret. The church doesn't want you to know. When they're talking in Latin, they're just saying it backwards. That's why pig Latin is just English with ipsnays at the end or whatever the fuck. Mm -hmm. Also, we had a conversation about this last night. Why is it that demons all speak Latin? I mean, I know it's because Catholic priests speak Latin. But also, why does that mean demons speak? 
Latin? Shouldn't they, because this is rooted in Catholicism, shouldn't it be like Aramaic or Hebrew? Yeah. Or some ancient demon language? I don't know. Like, Latin doesn't have anything to do with Christianity besides the fact that some of the dudes that killed Jesus spoke Latin. Why can't we have a French-speaking demon? That's my question. We oui, we oui, baguette, vomit, fuck your mother. No, the other end. So, Father Karras is having doubts about whether or not an exorcist needs to happen. Then he sees the help me burned or carved or whatever into Reagan's stomach. And he's like, yeah, I probably need to help. Karras goes to the bishop to try to sanction the exorcism, which the bishop agrees, under the stipulation that they include Father Marin, the priest played by Max von Sydow. Yeah, the guy from the beginning. Because he's done exorcisms before and is experienced. And so, as this movie enters its final segment, these two priests prepare for their exorcism of this little girl, which is just ignoring the shit the demon shouts at them and shouting Bible verses back. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest, I think exorcisms are kinda lame. Like, it does get good towards the end, where the demon starts making Damien hallucinate his dead mother, and, like, he freaks out and walks away, which gives the demon time to murder the old man. I was surprised to see how little Max von Sydow is in this movie. Mm-hmm. That said, the time he does have, he's incredible in. I think he does a great job. I loved his character. I loved Father Marin as a character because he walks up to the house in that iconic, incredible silhouette shot. And then he walks in and Father Karras is like, uh, hey, I think I should probably tell you about the psychology of what's going on right now. Like the backstory about what's happening and Father Marin, all he says is, why? To me, that was so cool to see just this guy who's like, that's not important. Yeah. Why would you tell me And that? Damien's like, so it seems like I'm dealing with three different demons. Don't fucking believe anything they say. There's just one, and it's trying to trick you. Do not engage with it. Also, go to the bathroom and just cool your head. I'll be fine on my own for a little bit. They start performing the exorcism. Reagan vomits up more slime onto Father Marin and What Father the fuck Marin... is that, by the way? Because it's not vomit. That's not what vomit looks like. I don't know. Fucking demon juice. Ugh. You don't want to taste that demon Marin juice. Marin wipes it up with his scarf? Uh, I don't know what the word is. Is that the thing you're supposed to do? I don't know. I don't think so. But priests do wear that many layers. You know, I went to Catholic school growing up. Yeah, that was actually a thing we talked about as we watched it. I just see them, they're like suiting up for the exorcism. I'm like, god damn, that's like six layers. They must be hot. That's what priests wear. Every single mass. They have to do it to hide Damien's abs. Oh, hell yes. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned is the exact same thing as punish me, Daddy. No, it's the same thing as sorry, Daddy, I've been naughty. What the fuck is punish me, Daddy? your mother said last night. I'll but, kick your fucking ass, Thorpe. Yeah, you So will. anyway, uh-oh. Old priest who's done exorcisms before and was there to make sure things are safe. He's fucking dead. Reagan just gets out of her bindings and starts attacking Taros. Yeah, and then starts floating into the air. That'll make you believe in something. <laughs> I believe, I believe, okay, okay, Jesus, okay, I believe. I've gone through my arc. I believe in God again because fucking how? What is this shit? Yeah. And then how 
this whole thing ends is they don't exercise the demon, really. No. Damien, eventually he says, take me instead, let the little girl go. After he punches said little girl like seven times. Well, I mean, that was to encourage the demon. I'm sure she won't mind the bruises in the morning. Yeah. It's then... not like I'm a trained boxer and buff. Yeah. But yeah, like what he does is he tells the demon, take me instead. And the demon flies out Reagan and into Karos. And then he just jumps out the fucking window. And down the stairs. That's... That'll kill the demon. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, I don't know the demon rules of this universe. I hope the demon can't just fly back into Reagan immediately. Yeah, that would... that would have been disappointing. As Karos is lying at the bottom of the steps, bloodied and dying, his friend, Father Dyer, visits him and performs last rites. Then, cut to sometime later in the future, Chris and Reagan are moving out of their house because there's too many bad memories. Father Dyer visits them. Chris says that Reagan does not remember anything and Reagan gives him a hug and says thank you. So to me personally that just indicates that she probably remembers this shit. Well I mean she probably remembers a priest but he has a different face. Right exactly. No she rem she probably remembers the demon. Probably. I don't know. I haven't seen the sequel. Oh also something I forgot to mention later. I'm just looking at like the cast page, which has the names of the characters. Marin's first name is Lancaster, except misspelled, and that annoyed me. Lancaster with a K. Like, what the fuck is that? Well, Max von Sydow's from Sweden. Well, his character isn't, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. He had a British accent. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the last shot is Father Dyer staring down the stairs and walking away. And that's The Exorcist. Little fun facts that I would like to go over with this movie. Did you know that originally Max von Sydow and the guy they got to play, Father Karen... Father Karen, that's his name, Father Karen. He just calls the cops every time he sees a black person. Karis, Karis. That's... That would be a very different movie. Yes, it would. The guy they got to play, Father Karis, instead of that guy and Max von Sydow, they almost went with, believe it or not, Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando. And they almost went with Al Pacino for Father Karras as well. Okay, I'm glad they went with what they went. Mostly just for the sake of filmmakers. Like, oh yeah, let's film a movie with Marlon Brando and Jack Nicholson. I'm sure that will be a pleasant production. Oh yeah, just the amount of drugs on that yeah, set. Yeah, like, okay, now's the scene where you're going to exercise the de Okay, where the fuck is Marlon? He saw a cat and is petting it and is never coming. Oh god, I fucking hate that guy. He's not even that great of an actor. He's just really good. But there are other good actors who aren't douchebags. Well, he also changed the game. Not defending the I horrible know. things he's accused of. I'm just Wait, saying. Wait, what's he accused of? Rape. Oh, geez, that's even worse than all this shit. Fuck Marlon Brando. Yeah, yeah. He changed the game with the movie where he plays a fucking rapist. No. Turns out, wasn't acting. Method acting. He yeah. was studying for a role. I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, William Friedkin, from what I understand, did some things on set, you know, to get actors into Oh, I love set. when horror directors do that. Mm, I'm yeah. sure it was fine and not horrifically abusive at all. Mm -hmm. He apparently slapped a couple actors right before a take just to get them in that painful mood. He also just took a gun and shot it into the air to get everyone scared. 
So, you know, he's a great guy. But it could have been so much better because originally the studio wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct the movie. Ooh. So, you know, Ooh. the guy that verbally assaulted the woman and the only black person in The Shining. Ooh, that would have been a really good horror movie, but also he would have hurt that child. He oh, would yeah. have hurt that child to make her scared because Stanley Kubrick kind of was an asshole. Oh, yeah. Funny thing about that set during the exorcism where they are in the bedroom and you can see their breath, that's because the room that the set that they built that in was freezing temperatures. So it was legitimately that cold. Mercedes McCambridge, who voiced the demon Pazazu. Yeah, she does a great, just all around, this is a very well acted movie. Ellen Burstyn and Jason Miller are great. Linda Blair, in an era where child actors were pretty much universally terrible, is amazing. Yes. Mercedes McCambridge giving this Pazuzu voice, I'll fuck your mother. She's great. Funny enough, to get that voice, she chain-smoked and ate nothing but raw eggs and drinking nothing but whiskey just to get that voice. Okay. That just messed up her vocal cords. Let's see, let's just double check. I sure hope she didn't get lung cancer. Yeah, I don't know. Her Wikipedia page just says natural causes. Also, the cast and crew actually believed that the set of the movie was haunted, so they had a priest come and bless the set. So it was a documentary! Those men really did die! Yeah, well, again, uh, William Friedkin coming from a documentary background, a lot of the priests in this movie, except Jason Miller and Max von Sydow, all the other priests and bishops and stuff, those were real priests. Overall, getting away from trivia and back to just the quality of the film. This is a very well shot movie. It's phenomenally acted. It has this great build-up. Eh. I mean, I felt there was a bit lacking in this movie, and I'm. it's hard to describe what. Maybe it's because just the priest regaining his faith plot doesn't interest me. I don't know. But it was a very well-made movie. I just don't know that I loved it. What about you, Riley? I really dug this movie. It has flaws. It's far from perfect, obviously. I believe it's one of, if not the first horror movie to ever be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Yeah, it so got cool. nominated for like 10 Oscars. Yeah, I think it just won Best Adapted Screenplay. It won Screenplay and Sound. Oh, by the way, the theme of this movie, this movie has a good theme. Very good horror theme. Yeah, yeah. For me, I really liked it. It's interesting because ever since this movie came out, there's just this tidal wave of shitty exorcism movies, and some good ones here and there, that just try to do what this movie did. So when you go back to watch where it all started, it has this sort of aura of, eh, kind of seen this, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you've seen this because this started it. I do like the idea that they spend so much time experimenting on Reagan and going like step by step through what's going on with her logically before they just jump to, I don't know, fucking demons. They perform medical tests on her. They see psychologists. They do all that. And it's this slow buildup to what we're all eventually coming to, it, which is the exorcism. It's title of the movie and i think the plot really works this movie started a trend in hollywood that exists 50 years later it has five sequels 
And there's a trilogy that's coming out starting in 2023. Oh, nice. I'm sure all the sequels are fantastic. The, uh, so I like that realistic progression with what's going on with her. I do think that they could have put a little more, like you said, putting more focus on Reagan's character instead of just... Because most of the movie is on Father Karras, him being the emotional backbone of this movie, like what he's going through, what he's struggling with. But at the same time, I think in doing that, that just kind of causes them to sort of montage through what's going on with Reagan. Like, because you'll see her, and then she ruins the party, and then her bed's shaking, and then her face is green, and it's getting cuts. Which, that was great makeup, by the way. Just the makeup in this movie is incredible. The acting, the makeup, the cinematography, the directing, like every possible thing about this movie is a masterpiece, except for what I would argue is the script, which has a couple shortcomings. Reagan is not much of an interesting character, and I think her being the one that's suffering from this demon, I think the movie could have benefited from that. The mom being an actor had so much focus, and it didn't really add anything. She just sort of offhandedly mentions that she's an atheist, and that would have been so much more interesting. Like, that could have been something that her and Karis bonded over. They're like, yeah, we're struggling with faith. Or they're not, not struggling with faith, but like slowly coming to regain their faith again. So I think there's just some plot elements that could have been strengthened up, but literally everything else is immaculate. The acting, the cinematography, the directing, the editing, it's all incredible. And there's a reason why it was nominated for so many Oscars and still is considered to be not only one of the best horror movies ever made, but one of the best movies ever made, period. So, numerically speaking, if you were to give this a score... I think the movie's incredibly well made, and honestly, I had a great time with it. I think this is still a great movie, but there, there's another part of me that's like, you know, part of it hasn't aged well. Oh god, horror has such a short shelf life. It's close to comedy in how bad it ages. Right, yeah, but I think for when it came out, and just the sheer visceral, fucked up nature of this movie, honestly, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Mm. I think this movie is incredible. It's in many ways stands the test of time. In other ways, hasn't aged quite well, and in other ways could have been strengthened. But either way, I think this movie is incredible. One of the best movies we've seen. This is a very well-made movie. It's well-acted. It's well-directed. Just something about it doesn't really call out to me. I don't... It's fine. It's a well-made movie, but it just isn't pulling me for some reason, and I don't know what specifically about it didn't catch me. Yeah. Like, just going with my gut, 8 out of 10, like, it's a well-made movie, I just, I don't know. Okay, so that's pretty much an 8.5 out of yeah, 10. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still high tier, I just, I don't know. I think it's one of the best movies we've seen, but yeah, it's not, pretty the good. Be- not the best. Yeah. When it comes to the sequels, however, there's The Exorcist 2, The Heretic, which has a lot of the returning cast. Funny enough, the director of that movie, Joe Borman, he notoriously hated the original. He hated fantasy, demons, all that, doesn't matter. So he took the franchise in the direction of science fiction, where this doctor starts investigating what happened to Reagan by scientific means, by creating machine that goes into her brain and then it's all wrapped up in this african witch doctor played by james earl jones the witch doctor has like a lot of bug imagery and shit it has linda blair and max von Sydow. 
James Earl Jones. So it took it in a more science fiction route. That sounds horrible. Yeah. It's considered one of the worst movies ever made, period. Yeah. Then well, there's The Exorcist 3, which well, me- has a big devoted cult following. Yeah, it's... So... William Peter Blatty, the guy who wrote the Exorcist book and also the screenplay for this, he did not like The Exorcist 2 for some reason, so he made his own trilogy. The Exorcist, The Ninth Configuration, and The Exorcist 3. Ninth Configuration actually won a bunch of awards. It's about like an asylum, but it's not called The Exorcist for some reason. Then there's The Exorcist 3, which, what even is that about? From what I understand, there's a serial killer in an asylum, but we don't know if it's the real killer or if it's Father Karras. Yeah, we don't know if it's like the demon possessed Father Karras and Karras is still alive, or... I don't know if I don't know if it's like still if he's still alive or maybe it's him possessing I don't know some about there's a serial killer played by Jason Miller known as Patient X and then Brad Dourif plays the serial killer and it just it's a guy with a split personality and oh yeah. oh that's interesting yeah but then they made two prequels but here's the thing there's Exorcist the beginning and Dominion prequel to The Exorcist Both have the exact same cast because they made the first one, Exorcist the Beginning. They filmed it all, cut it all together, made a final product. The studio said, this is horrible. (laughs) We're going to completely rewrite, reshoot, and re-edit this movie. And that's where Dominion prequel to The Exorcist. And you know something? Both cuts have since been released. The second, Dominion, is slightly better. That's all people say. (laughs) I mean, looking at this, Marin's played by Stone Skarsgård. I like him as an actor. Yeah. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Where a movie's so bad, they reshoot 100% and release them as two different movies. Yeah. Like, goddamn. We gotta watch some of these sometime. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe we could just do an episode about The Exorcist sequels. Nah, I feel like these are dumb enough that we'd need separate episodes. Okay. Speaking of future episodes, next week, we're continuing the spooky, scary... theme by reviewing Blade. It's a movie about, like, Wesley Snipes hunting vampires. I've never seen it. It's based on a Marvel Comics guy, right? Yeah, he's yeah. coming to the MCU soon. Yeah, no big it's, deal. it's weird that vampires are just a thing in the MCU. Yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah, it's I've never cool. seen it before. Is it good? Yes, I think it's good. It's nothing, not going to win any awards. Not one of the best Marvel, not one of the best superheroes that movies ever made, but it's good. I mean, is it even a superhero movie? Well, that's for next week to discuss. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, that's next week. In the meantime, Riley... You can find more from oh, our Oh, good. Show. You know what I order you to do, bitch. Yes. You can find more about this show by following us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook at Silver Age Silver Screen, where we post updates to this show and some fun content on there as well. You can find me at Riley Thorpe on YouTube, where you can check out all my short films, more to come soon, and you can check out my Instagram and TikTok at Riley James Thorpe, where I post a lot of really fun stuff. Casey, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at JarmsCasey, J-R-M-E-S-C-A-S-E-Y. I know how my own fucking name is spelled. Also, check out 
double elimination the machine. It's a book that I wrote. It's the second in the sci-fi thriller series about a fighting tournament for people with superpowers in the future. And this one's about a superhero who has a crisis and something happens. Maybe not a superhero anymore. Maybe there's a fucking sniper dude who's very smart. He has superior pattern recognition is a line from that book. I don't know. I don't know how to promote my own stuff. We'll be back next week, assuming we don't get possessed by demons and then jump out that window that is right in front of me that I am staring at. And I'm staring at him staring at the window. That window. I'm going to touch the window now, Riley. Like a bug zapper. As always, I'm Casey Jarms. And I'm Riley. And hey, it's just window, window, window. Don't lose your head about it. Window! What the fuck is that?